Welcome to Speak the Truth, a podcast devoted to giving biblical truth for educating, equipping, and encouraging the individual and local church in counseling and discipleship. Hello, hello, hello. We are back in studio. What's Once up? a month, we meet and we record all these Did you like podcasts. my greeting? Yeah. <laughs> what was it again? I didn't hear it what's over myself. Up? What's up? Jeremy, what's your greeting? <laughs> Greetings. You got <laughs> That's perfect. Now we all have our signature greetings. Yes, yes. Um, so yeah, we are going to be today, uh, we've got quite a bit we're going to be getting into. We're um, In this particular podcast, we're going to be following up on a previous episode that we had in our Heart of the Matter series. And back in April, we launched uh, the, the beginning part of this, which was more about taking off. And this time we're going to be talking about putting on. Uh, I would encourage you to go and listen to the previous podcast, which uh, would have been around the beginning of May. And uh, you can find that there. And this is basically the second part of that. Scripture is very clear about um, you know this idea of taking on or putting off and putting on, and it has to do with obviously our, our sin nature, and then walking by the Spirit and growing in godliness, being conformed into the image of Christ. There's an actual process there, and um, it's just a way that we work out this means of grace, and so. Today, we're going to be talking about the second part of this, uh, the positive part, because again, you can't just remove something without replacing it because the heart is always worshiping. And uh, so to leave it, trying to remove something without replacing it ultimately leads to uh, uh, just a very dysfunctional and broken, disastrous life, you know, as a believer, if we're not trying to replace it with something, which is why the means of grace is so helpful. So anyway, how are we doing today? Good. Good. Shauna, I thought you had some questions for us. Some yeah. random questions that we could uh, answer on the fly. I do. And that way, if we do it at the beginning and somebody's listening and doesn't like it, they can just hit that 30-second thing, right? <laughs> yeah. Just fast forward. <laughs> or uh, speed us up so we sound like chipmunks. Yeah. Okay, first question. What kind of, what kind of things really make you laugh? When you almost fall. No, other when, people in general. Oh, other people. When other people fall. That's sad. <laughs> You're I, literally laughing at the expense of I, other people. I agree. It is It is a very unfortunate reality. However, it doesn't negate the fact that it is absolutely funny. You actually, that actually does bring you to another level of laugh. Like when It you, is like, like a straight-up gut laugh. Yeah, it's this deep, like, yeah, deep-rooted laugh that just comes out when you watch those fail videos. Oh, yeah. And I think what's what my favorite part, not necessarily when they fall, or if they fall, it's it's watching them realize. <laughs> See, I'm laughing now. <laughs> but it's like when they're walking and they, they trip up and <laughs> they realize, oh my goodness, and they're like trying to figure out how to keep their footing. It's just the funniest thing because it was so, uh, like they didn't realize it and it just happened so quickly. It has to be the accident fall, not the ones that are like doing something stupid fall, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, both. Like I'm jumping from a roof with my skateboard or something yeah. and they fall. Something. Yeah. What's yours? I don't know, but my favorite type of laugh is the one that surprises me, where all of a sudden, you know, you or the yes. kids will just say something very candid, and it, like, surprises me, so it hits me a little after. It's right? like, like a progressive laugh. What's the laugh? You, you... It's like turning up the volume on a song that you like. Do you're it. like you you realize that you you're like, "Oh, I like this song. Let me turn it up a little bit. Oh my goodness, I like that hook. Let me turn it up a little bit more." You so M- mimic the laugh. Well, you'd be like, "Huh?" <laughs> <laughs> you like it's this progressive laugh 
it's like and it's like oh my goodness i didn't realize that was funny oh wow that's really really funny and it's just you can hear this progressive laugh it is one of the most entertaining things and everybody in our family knows it and we all we all and you're and you look at you're like did you think that was funny babe and i'm like yeah i did obviously but I don't uh, really know like what it is that makes that happen. Like what it is that makes me laugh. It's just something funny that y'all just say or do random. I don't know. Jeremy, what about you? Something that I, I tend to love to do is, um, especially with my friend Ronnie, is if I'm at his house or he's in the office to hide and uh, <laughs> you like and to scare people. Scare You're gonna give him a heart attack, <laughs> Jeremy. What? But like I can picture his it's face, hilarious. like his scared look on his face. Yes, and Roddy jumps big time. <laughs> oh my goodness! Does he hit you? Like no. my boy, my boys went through that stage too. Stage, you know? Yeah. Like <laughs> I haven't gotten past the stage. <laughs> you haven't grown out of no. it yet. No. Oh, uh, that I is do, good. I do not like that feeling. <laughs> you Jackson, got Jackson would hide behind the door when I would come in with groceries and stuff. Oh, I can't stand that. Yeah. You have yet to drop the groceries, though. Yeah. You just, like, scream. What, do you have one more question before we jump in? Yeah. So what habit do you currently have that you're trying to break? Anything? I'm a nail biter. That's an easy one for me. Um, Was that a hard one? Do we do another one? No, um, but you could answer like you could answer that trivially, or you could actually get like at the heart level way to bring that back to Whatever, the to the point. That's the heart of the matter. Um, right. Yeah, maybe could I could I suggest another thing that you stop? Have you have? <laughs> Whoa! Why are you on me? <laughs> well, you're on the yeah. Okay, what? Um, we actually brought this up in a podcast Wait. in passing. <laughs> when you eat. Uh oh. Because remember, I have what is it? Was it misophonia when you kind of have this irritable like sensation when you listen like for sounds or whatever? Obviously, we don't need to talk about it again if we've already talked about it. Well, and and the question was about your habit, yeah, not your annoyance. Yeah, chips. Chips. Yes, everyone. Michael doesn't like it when I eat chips. Well. Yeah, there's the well. You're eating chips. There was a period at the end of that. Comment. Okay, there wasn't. <laughs> there wasn't. It wasn't a comma like continue. All right. No. Um, one thing that um, one habit I would like to break: annoying you in the morning because I'm so like you're chipper a morning person, and you're not, and it's hard for me to you know to sustain my joyfulness in the morning, and I want to share it with you, and you're you're not you don't receive it. We don't want to break that habit. Because it's like, I like it, but don't like it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I I like it, and I wouldn't want you to not do that, but then I also don't like it because I need my space in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. There's several we could have. Like, if I'm in the bathroom, just let me be in the bathroom. Yeah. You know what I mean? (laughs) No, I know what you mean, but I can't help it. Yeah. (laughs) Like, we could have a whole podcast on these sorts of things. That would actually be a fun podcast. All right, Jeremy's got to answer it, though. Yeah, and then we'll move on. Yeah, so pre-COVID, I... um. Never ate fast food ever. Uh, maybe once every couple of months. Really? Uh, during COVID, it's like all the time, constant. What's yes. been your spot? And you're supporting and businesses, right? Like my crate. <laughs> really? Yes. <laughs> do you just get the tacos, or do you get the meat burrito? What your love their tacos and their bean burritos. Yeah, yeah, that's cheap too. My kids that's get good. so sick of me saying, "Hey, let's get taco casa." <laughs> <laughs> so I really have to break that habit. Yeah, I remember I was saying like I'm supporting the businesses like when we would go get something to eat out, you know. So you would prefer a taco over a burger then? Oh, right now that's tough. Yeah, maybe so. Yeah, 
Wow. So are you kind of like one of those people that when you, you, you kind of get on those binges where you like, you have something good and it's like, you'll eat that for a bit yeah. and then you just stop it. Yeah. That's, we okay. kind of do that too. We did that with pot belly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's true. That was really yeah. good. Sandwiches. Yeah. All right. What's the last show you binged watch? The last show. Um, together. Cause I don't really watch a lot just, of just in general. I don't really watch a lot of TV. Right now I'm myself. watching a show called nine one one. So it's like showing emergencies and stuff. Yeah. I've watched that with you when I get home and stuff. And yeah, uh, I guess that's the one that the most recent one for me. Cause you, I, you don't really watch a lot of TV. No, I don't. Um, I watch it with you though. Um, I do just for the sake of transparency, I do watch YouTube videos a lot. I just, it's just not like programs. It's like I'm watching videos on. So you binge watch YouTube videos. Yeah. On video recording and stuff, right? Yeah. Okay. And tech and everything else. So. Jeremy, anything? Yeah. So s- several months ago, I started watching and hearing, or started hearing about this show called Stranger Things on Netflix, and uh, sat down to watch one episode and. I wasn't feeling very well that weekend, and so just gave myself an excuse and sat there and watched the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, from right. Start to finish. Yeah, yeah, that's good. We should do just a whole podcast on us. Let's let's label this podcast. Just get to get to know the the team. Or how would you answer these questions? And that'd be the series. Yeah, that'd be, be really fun, right? Hey, and you know what? For for our counselors out there, listeners, th- these are things that could help with you know. If you're trying to go on dates and you haven't been out on a date with your spouse or just any relationship, it's a good way to answer questions and, and get to know each other pretty or, well. Yeah. Or like family time. We're So we have our kid, my son and his friends come over every Sunday night and I cook them dinner and we'll either chat or play games with them a little bit and then we leave and kind of give them their space or whatever. And anyways, Michael's doing his eyebrows up well, and down. I'm trying to change the way that I ultimately, you know, I usually look at you I'm trying to redeem it. Anyway, we, we have this where I have this bowl of questions and they'll pull out a question and we'll answer it. It's kind of fun to get them to think in that way and just to hear some of their answers and stuff. But yeah, this is actually really good. Okay. So if you had to rename yourself, what name would you choose? This is the last question, right? No, let's make a podcast out of this and then we'll do the heart of the matter the next round. <laughs> We've sort of already announced it. Yeah. Okay. Fine. <laughs> I would name you. What? I, I missed the question. What was the question? Bradley. Oh. Names or I can't help but Brendan. think that Brosnan. Hmm. No, not not English. Jeremy, what would you name yourself? I don't even know. That's a hard one. I don't know. What would I name myself? Mm-hmm. I'll probably have like a, some weird Greek name. <laughs> Like what? Utrid? That is not Greek. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I just pulled it from the show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that That is a show that you binged, Last Kingdom. Um, I would, I don't know, Titus or something. Something. Oh, yeah. Something, something yeah. weird or random or oni- uh, mm-hmm. Oniferous or something like weird. Titus like, would be a good name. I like that. You know. That's what we were going to Or Philemon. Something, something clearly like. Biblical. Odd and biblical. Yeah. So people are like, mm, that's interesting. Mm. Just to see people's reactions. All anyway. Right. All right. Let's get into the topic. Yeah. What is the topic? The heart of the matter. The heart of the matter. What is the heart of the matter? What's the heart of the matter? 
<laughs> Shauna's. You're going to delete this part. No, I'm not deleting this part. This is good. Anyway, guys, like I said, we are getting into the second part of the heart of the matter. And in the heart of the matter, we're going to be talking about the putting on peace, um, which can be found in our Association of Biblical Counselors on the webpage. Go to ChristianCounseling.com and... Uh, you can become a member and get awesome resources like this. And uh, so we're going to share on this podcast, uh, like we did the putting off, and uh, we're just going to kind of go through what this uh, heart of the matter looks like. Again, it's it's something that can be used in counseling. Uh, our counselees work through the process and just being intentional in our understanding of the sanctification process and how we work towards uh, just godliness and growing in grace and things like that. So Jeremy, you want to start us off with the uh, heart of the matter on put on? Sure. So at the very beginning of this uh, handout, I won't go through it, but there's instructions uh, that tell uh, the counselors how to utilize uh, the tool that we have here. Um, And so that's the first few pages of this, but I'd like to just maybe jump to beliefs and maybe the three of us just kind of talk about these beliefs and drill down into some of them. And I'll, I will reflect on the put off statements because uh, the examples here to put on are, are basically, uh, they coincide with the put off statement. Mm -hmm. Um, and the idea here is, is not that this tool is a silver bullet. It's, it's just helping people learn to, uh, think more biblically, uh, doing things that will foster desires and affections that are really centered in the Lord and his purposes in our lives, as well as uh, disciplines and behaviors and habits that will foster that kind of thing. And so obviously we understand uh, progressive sanctification is, is a lifelong process. And this can just be one one piece of that. And so when we get to the the thoughts, common thoughts that we believe about ourselves or our situations, the, the put off was one of those was that my situation is too difficult for me to endure. And, you know, how many people that sit in our offices have maybe felt that way? Maybe their marriage has been really bad for years and they just don't feel that they can uh, continue uh, to try to make changes in the marriage. Or maybe they have um, been paralyzed by anxiety their entire life and and they feel like they just can't do it anymore. And they can often give in to these lies that uh, their situation is now too difficult for them to endure. Well, we would want to help them conceptualize their situation in a way that would reflect more of a biblical way of seeing things. And this doesn't take away the pain. It doesn't take away the difficulty. Matter of fact, one of the one of the points that I make in the instructions, and I think it's important to highlight here, is when we are pushing people towards change or where we're guiding them towards change, they will often experience something that we might call dissonance. In other words, uh, there's a gap between what they feel is true and what they're seeking to believe is true. Um, And so they may try to begin to get their mind fixed around some of these other thoughts, but still feel anxious or still feel discouraged. We need to let people know that is part of the change process. You know, in faith, we're going to believe some new things, although we may not experience anything a lot differently uh, for a while um, because our hearts still cling to the lies. And so my, my situation is too difficult for me to endure. We might uh, help a person maybe read uh, Psalm 46, one through three. And I just want to read that because it's a, it's a beautiful passage. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. 
Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though the waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. So just this reminder that God is our refuge. So a thought that we might pull from that is something more like, uh, while my situation is challenging, God is going to be faithful to effectively help and strengthen me. And we're just basically... uh, stating something that the scripture tells us is true. Mm-hmm. So what do you guys think about that? You know, I think that's, I mean, that's absolutely imperative when it comes to, you know, at the thought level, um, it's very difficult for us to minister to ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. Cause we're always ministering to ourselves. We're, I mean, you know, we think about ourselves the most out of everybody else, right? Obviously. So the more that we can have biblical thoughts, counter those antithetical thoughts that are condemning and um, trying to render us, unfruitful and not useful and unworthy, you know, not worthy and all these other things, um, that keep us, uh, just really, um, really stuck. And so, yeah, the, just having biblical thoughts about ourself, um, is, I mean, is probably one of the the biggest pursuits as a believer when it comes to the sanctification process, I would Mm -hmm. say. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so another another example of this, if a person comes in and a very similar statement, and they may believe that their situation is impossible to resolve or is going to be impossible to resolve. And uh, one of the tricks there is that sometimes they can put their hope in the resolution. And we want to be careful that their hope isn't in the resolution, even as they seek resolution yes, to the issue. Exactly. Um, and so maybe a, a, a better way to come at, at that kind of a, a, a thought would be that there is no situation too difficult for the Lord to resolve, and we will seek to glorify Him in seeking resolution. But ultimately, we will seek to trust God's purposes in Him either resolving or not resolving the issue. We see in uh, 1 Corinthians 10.31 that all of life uh, is, should be centered in the glory of God, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do everything to the glory of God. And so as we're seeking to resolve difficult situations, we want to make sure that our our telos, our ultimate aim, is God's glory and not get too caught up on whether or not the situation resolves immediately or within our time frame. Um, and then Proverbs 16, 9, just a, a powerful reminder, the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. And so uh, just keeping a mindful, uh, a watchful eye on the sovereignty of God and recognizing you know, we can have our plans and even in counseling, a lot of times we're going to set goals at the beginning. Uh, but ultimately, that process of change and process of, of reaching certain goals is going to fall within the time frame that God himself establishes. Yeah, I think that's probably one of the hardest one of the hardest things to really grapple with um, is because obviously by nature, we, we, we see things a particular way. It's our time frames. It's the way we see it. And oftentimes we're results driven. You know, right, and and we we're asking God to remove something or to act at a particular time, and sometimes God answers those prayers, but more often than not, He doesn't, or it's deferred because He's doing He's accomplishing something other than what we yes. realize He's doing. Yes, and that's always the hardest part when it comes to our thoughts because. We just we we look at it differently. We can't see what he sees, which is why, again, going back to the point of having those biblical thoughts about ourselves is being able to rightly see how God works in us. Mm. Um, it, it it is it, it becomes far more encouraging than discouraging. It's just trying to help those people get there. That's yes. that's the that's the work, obviously. Mm-hmm. And that's not just your yourself, but also those that you're supporting and encouraging, right? So if my spouse is struggling in this particular way or this situation's happening, it's not just 
us, but also how are we putting on, you know, good, healthy thoughts that are grounded biblically for them as well, which I love your title, Jeremy, where you say biblical thoughts to believe in faith about my situation and others. Mm -hmm. So even if we don't see it or Mm -hmm. the results right away, that we know that God is at work and we can be, you know, founded in that, in that particular trust, right? Yeah. Grounded, I think is a better word. Mm -hmm. That's good. Yeah, and I think the whole purpose of of kind of addressing our thought life is really an issue of of exercising faith in what Scripture says versus our our short sighted, finite, sometimes egocentric perspective. Yeah, and so that's really what this is. This whole thing is designed to do. Another terrible thought that people who are struggling either with sin or with suffering that they often adopt as their gut level belief is that God is detached from my situation, and um, I can't you know I can't imagine a more frightening, terrifying, depressing, despairing thought in the midst of struggle than that, that God is detached. So we would want to help a person very sensitively, right? I'm not going to tell that person, shame on you for thinking God is detached. I want to enter into that struggle and maybe uh, just talk through um, scripture like Hebrews seven twenty three through 25. Um, let me turn there. It's a beautiful passage talking about Jesus. The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office, but he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. What a beautiful passage that is the complete antithesis of God being detached from our situation. Um, The writer of Hebrews reveals to us that Jesus himself, he lives, he has a passion, he has a zeal every single day to intercede for his people. And um, so maybe helping a person formulate a thought that is more aligned with that, such as my pain influences me to feel God is absent, but that cannot be true. He is actually my refuge, always present to help me in difficulty. Jesus actually lives to constantly intercede for me. And again, there may be a struggle with truly believing that and part of the counseling process isn't just to throw these thoughts out there in a trite way and just kind of mechanically assume the person's going to believe we have to be willing to sit and wrestle through the doubts and wrestle through what heart issues are creating those doubts. Uh, you know, where is, uh, fear and anxiety in control or even pride. Uh, when I allow my gut level lie to be the belief I choose, there's something about that that could be a bit prideful because I'm believing my own perspective over that of the perspective that God gives me in the scriptures. Yeah. Um, and just, you know, just a real-time example, you know, even outside of Hebrews where Jesus demonstrates that that high priest in real time when he was walking with his disciples. Mm. And when Jesus was with Peter where Satan's actually demanding to sift him like wheat, and he was actually demanding in the, in the actual text that um, Satan was demanding to sift all of them, but then he specifically asked for Peter. But Jesus says, verse 32 of Luke chapter 22, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail, and when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. So oftentimes when we're struggling through stuff, we become so isolated. And as you mentioned, egocentric, where we're focusing on ourselves that Mm -hmm. 
we never, well, I shouldn't, I shouldn't say never, but more often than not, we fail to realize that oftentimes the things that we're going through is really ultimately to strengthen those, my, my brothers and sisters. So it's not, so we're, we're not struggling ourselves and we become inwardly focused and not realizing that God is producing something and that we do have that high priest, Jesus, interceding for us continually. Like it's nonstop. Mm. And, um, and I think to that point, you know, in, in this where, you know, they, people feel like God has distanced himself, that he's not present. He's very present in, in, yes. in, in our time of need. Um, it's just oftentimes when we're feeling in our time of need, we look at it in that, like you mentioned, that egocentric perspective where it's just like, I want him to, to meet me where I'm at, where I feel like he needs to meet me at when he's the one who can comfort us in ways that we can't even imagine. We just need to entrusting him in part as part of that saving faith, come to him and realize that he's like just resting and trusting that he'll do that work in me. It's not trying to sway God into doing what I feel like he needs to do to make me feel better. Mm-hmm. So when you think of that from a practical standpoint, though, you know, like the men that you're counseling, how do you help them go from, say, self-centered to Christ-centered? Like, what's a practical how-to of what that might look like? Um, I think, I think first practically, just to kind of keep it consistent with what we're, what we're discussing here is helping them realize their thought life. A lot of people don't realize or take into account the reality of their thought life, mm-hmm. which is why we, which is why we start with journaling, right? To help them realize like, you know, we take things for granted so bad that like we do things so much so that we don't even realize that we're doing it. It becomes that much of a habit. And so helping people to, to your specific point, Shauna, is, you know, men that I've counseled is helping them see their thought life and realize that your thoughts towards God are not that they're, they're not, they're, they're toxic. And you're allowing your thoughts against God to, 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 to I mean, really make you feel detached to de- really, I don't want to say destroy your faith, but strain your faith. So it, helping them realize their thought life is like, wow, now when I go to scripture, I know how to combat those thoughts, right? Mm-hmm. So now they have a game plan, so to speak, in being able to, to really attack their own thought life. You know, I mean, I, uh, even personally, you know, myself, when I'm struggling with certain things, you know, whether it's vocationally or relationally or whatever the case is, our thoughts are just nonstop, man. And it's like our hearts are just constantly at war and we're trying to make sense of our situation. And um, that's why journaling and and capturing our thoughts and taking them before the Lord, which is why prayer is so essential. Um, So that's kind of this, you know, this, the, the other side of the same coin is our thought life, our prayer life needs to be in direct correlation with our thought life. Mm. You know, like it's, it's, Mm -hmm. it's the same coin. And when it's not, that's when we can begin to see, we start to feel like God's detached. He's not present. He's not concerned about what, what's going on in my life. So that's, that's kind of like where I go with those conversations with the guys that I counsel. Which is really lies. And it's and that in itself is, is pretty much self-focused of like, I think this, so that must be the truth. When we see in scripture as our authority that God is present and he is our help. He does see, he does hear, he does care. Right. So I think from a practical standpoint, and this could be kind of the girl's side but you know the the journaling the thoughts and really not just writing down the lies but making sure that you are replacing them with the truth so you know having certain scripture verses actually writing them out and realizing that there's fruit and actually you know old school handwriting things out and reading those over and over you also, Jeremy, actually have a heart log in the Equip You series here mm-hmm. where you kind of have them chart out. Here's the situation. Here's the emotion. 
here's the thought or belief in that particular area and the desires and wants, behaviors and habits. So that obviously forces the person to just be very intentional mm-hmm. in their thinking to slow down because we're all so busy. A huge part of this on how we're driven by our feelings and not driven by our faith is because, you know, maybe the the only time we're really spending in God's word is, is on Sunday service, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever our preacher teaches us, and then we're trying our best to live that out in the week, and we're not taking the time to to really meditate on God's word and, and obviously go to him with specific prayers of where are you specifically struggling? Not this, yes, big general prayer, but also like where is the heart of the matter for you specifically, not only in your own life, but how are you also viewing others? My spouse isn't doing this. If only my kids would do this. No one's helped, you know, all these types of things, right? So, Jeremy, do you kind of encourage from a counselor or pastor standpoint that they would give this log as, say, a homework assignment? Yeah, so uh, the log, it goes with the the very handouts that we're looking at right now. Because mm-hmm. what I have – I used to just – I've revised this heart of the matter because I used to just give the log and kind of let them come up with their own thoughts. And it, I found that a, a lot of people, when you begin the put-on part, don't really have a, a very good idea of how to do that. Mm-hmm. Even – they don't even know what scriptures to, to point to. Mm-hmm. So these put-on thoughts – that we're reading right now, we're not asking them to memorize this thought, but we're giving them, you know, maybe they can draw from it, but we're also just giving them examples of here's what it looks like to act. Here's a, here's what a biblical thought looks like. And so, yes, that log is, can be a very helpful piece. And I'll spend quite a bit of time on the belief section. And there's three pieces to that a belief about my situation and others belief about God belief about myself. And then we'll spend some time on the desires because the scriptures are really heavy on how affections and desires impact what we do. Um, and so we'll spend a lot of time on that. And that's often a very eye opening piece. Uh, and then behaviors, you know, I want to be pushing people to behavior that does glorify God. And that does, even if they're still a little anxious, that they're going to operate in faith and not let the anxiety be what's controlling them. So the the log itself can make the process that we're talking about extremely practical for people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we obviously have a lot of <clears throat> pastors and counselors who are listening to this podcast. And so, you know, I think one of my encouragements that I would love to s- just encourage you specifically is to maybe even do this yourself. I think that as leaders, we get nervous to kind of own some of the thoughts that we wrestle with may be even embarrassed or feel guilty because we should be spiritually stronger or the expectations that are put on us or how people count on us or view us. And we don't actually, um, and, and really, you know, I, I remember even just getting to my time in scripture when I first started as a counselor, where my time in scripture came all about how I'm helping others and not just resting in his word myself mm. and going to him for me, you know? And I think that as a counselor and a pastor, obviously God has really given us that care and compassion for others, which is such a, a very sweet, thing, right? And we want to love others in that way, but we can often neglect ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you might want to print this, um, this series online and actually do it yourself, uh, men and women. And, and then, you know, through that work, obviously reach out, have others help and pray for you specifically where you're struggling, but then you'll also even be able to greater relate and use this as a tool as you help others. So, yeah, there's, you would almost be doing yourself a disservice to offer this up 
and you haven't done it and applied it yourself mm-hmm. because it comes through in the way that you counsel. You know, your your posture is different because you you've been you've experienced it. It's one thing to instructionally, you know, hear and know something. It's another thing to experientially, you know, have something like that. And then you you have to experience this. Um, you know, so I would to Shauna to your point, if you definitely if you haven't done that, print it off. Uh, go to ChristianCounseling.com, become a member, and you know, get these get these resources um, because it would not only help you personally, but it would help in your clients as well or your counselees. So, um, and then also too, just lastly, cause we're, we want to wrap up here, you know, just thinking about the thought life, you know, obviously our feelings, uh, that ultimately leads to our behaviors. We mentioned this in, in the last podcast where we talked through, you know, part of the journaling is capturing the scenario, your thought, how you felt about it, and ultimately how you acted really what Jeremy had brought up last time, which scripture points out, uh, first John specifically, and just throughout scripture, this idea of habituation you know, practicing things. Um, you know, obviously in our culture, we talk about habits all the time. Some are trivial. Others are, you know, kind of more vain driven um, about ourselves. But, you know, biblically speaking, in the same way that, you know, we've we've taken on um, sinful habits, that's, the, that's part of the process of putting off and putting on in the same way that we've uh, acquired just really bad habits um, that um, may not necessarily be sinful in the onset of them, but, you know, the final result after some time and in, in, as they're practiced habitually, they do become sinful, right? Like laziness is, is, is a good example. Mm-hmm. Um, struggling with stuff like that or looking at the idea of depression and struggling with that where um, there's nothing necessarily, I would say, sinful about depression. It's a reality of life that we work through. But sometimes when depression has people, it causes them to become lazy and defeated and that's sinful, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it does have this progression where habituation takes place. And so on the flip side of that, and again, I would encourage you to go listen to that podcast, but on the flip side of that in putting on, it's the same way through practice and understanding our thought life and, and, and establishing and cultivating that thought life. It, it does affect our behavior. It, it, it affects our emotion, our affection towards God. And so the idea is to cultivate uh, a positive approach and pursuit towards uh, habits that, you know, godly habituation, if you could put it that way. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, So in the same way that we've got the negative side, we've got to, we've got to put on godliness. We've got to put on godly habits, which is really what godliness is. It's right practice, right? It's righteousness. So any closing thoughts? Yes. Just on that last piece, the way Adams would conceptualize that is you have habituation and then the next step is dehabituation, stopping that yeah. habit, mm-hmm. and then rehabituation, uh, exercising new godly yep. disciplines. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so this, you know, just in closing on that thought for, you know, our pastors and, and lay leaders in the church, you know, that's why, you know, what we call the means of grace, spiritual disciplines, growing in, in reading God's word, knowing how to interpret God's word. All of those practices is what helps the church, you know, obviously at large and then obviously individually. So yeah, that's good. Well, we, uh, will see you guys next time. Thank you for listening.